0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dirtcast. I am your host, Madeline Davies, and I just want to start out by saying happy pride. I don't know how you celebrated, but I celebrated by watching a man seamlessly exit an Uber while vomiting, and it was impressive. And, you know, I just hope that you had as half as much fun as he did. And when I say half as much, I hope you didn't end up barfing in the street. But moving on from the puking man. We have a great episode today. We have Pop Culture Died in 2009 on. Uh, His real name is Matt, but most people just know him by his blog. This incredible Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter account that catalogs these sort of lost pop culture moments from the aughts that are just like you will have forgotten them. And then you'll see this site and you'll be like, oh my God, yes, that was such a big deal
1: at the time. And it's the most fun. She thought she could have the tabloid media attention, be on covers of all the magazines and always on the gossip sites, while still having a respected career. And that's just not how it works.
0: But before we talk to Matt, we are going to get into the dirtiest dirt of the week. I am alone in the studio, no co-host today. So you just have to hear my thoughts. But we're going to start first off with uh, Netflix canceling *Girl Boss*. I know, we're all so shocked because it was such a good... Heavily watched TV show that definitely didn't feature only repulsive characters who uh, made you want to tear your eyeballs out. This is an original 1970s
1: east west calfskin motorcycle jacket in perfect condition. You
0: know what you're worth because you just got played. But the woman Girl Boss is based on, of course, Sophia Amoruso, she started the company Nasty Gal. She is, I'm not going to call her a friend of Jezebel, but I would call her an enemy of Jezebel um, in that we have kind of extensively covered how she drove Nasty Gal into the ground and she's had a lot of accusations from particularly her female employees about what a terrible manager she is, issues of maternity leave, uh, just kind of like really like scummy stuff, which makes it really gross for her to take on this sort of feminist captain of uh, the industry, you know, when she's actually just a ruthless capitalist who will step over anybody to get what they want, which makes it extra sad that her show (laughs) was canceled. And I do want to read her quote on it, which she put out on her Instagram stories, so you can't find it anymore. This is Sophia Amoruso saying, So that Netflix series about my life got canceled. While I'm proud of the work we did, I'm looking forward to controlling my narrative from here on out. It was a good show, and I was privileged to work with incredible talent but living my life as a caricature was hard, if only for two months. Yes, I can be difficult. No, I am not a dick. No, someone named Shane never cheated on me. It will be nice to someday tell the story of what happened in the last few years. People read the headline, not the correction I've learned. Uh, Okay, bitch, uh, whatever you say. If you sell your brand to a production company, it is pretty much the assumption that they get to do whatever they want with your story. And that is a mistake that uh, Sophia made. And I hope it's not a mistake you made, you know, or you make in the future when someone naturally wants to buy your life story and make a really unappealing Netflix show about it. So moving on to Johnny Depp. I feel like Johnny Depp is like kind of Like, if I had, like, an ulcer where, like, all of my anger and rage went and then that ulcer became a human man, I just feel like that's, like, what Johnny Depp is, like, kind of for America, where he's sort of all this uh, unprocessed rage and alcoholism and uh, probably, like, a sense of privilege on top of that that he's not really dealing with and is instead just, like— filing lawsuits against his former managers, which, by the way, is heating up because the managers are taking him to the mat. They are now alleging that they knew about physical violence committed against his ex-wife Amber Heard, which is something that he has really vehemently denied, despite there being some, like, really horrible video footage of him just, like, violently smashing glasses around her. (laughs) So
1: then nothing happened to you this morning. Yeah, you're right. I just woke up and you were so sweet and nice. We were
0: not even fighting this morning. All I did was say sorry. Did something happen to you this morning? I don't think so. But they settled. Now I don't think either of them are legally allowed to talk about it, but the managers certainly are. So People actually has this quote about it, which is, Joel Mandel, one of the managers, was informed well after the fact through communications with various house staff and security that Depp had been extremely volatile and sometimes gotten physical with Heard. That is a quote uh, from a legal document that people then obtained recently. But also just like going back a couple days, a little more into this uh, really insane lawsuit, uh, just because just a lot is coming out and none of it is coming out in Depp's favor Despite his insistence that his managers have screwed him out of all this money while his managers are claiming, no, we warned Johnny Depp several times that he was about to go broke and he ignored us. And I just want to share an email uh, sent to him by his management group, which is just called literally the management group. And this is from that same manager, Joel Mandel. This is an email warning Johnny that Johnny is about to be broke as hell. Since my email to you in September, I have done what I was told you wanted done, meaning, quote, getting us through, end quote, financially until work could start again. The good news is that so far we've been able to do that. Notwithstanding, I need your help in a variety of ways. First, we need to take it easy on the holiday spending. Second, we need to discuss some dollar limit in the upcoming Dillinger auction. Third, I need to be able to sit with you on your return from this trip and before you leave for France so that we can talk about where we are financially, what we have borrowed in order to sustain ourselves, what we have to do to obtain these borrowings, what is now necessary to pay those borrowings back, and finally, to look realistically at income and expenses and to work together on how to make sure that these are back in balance. And I <laughs> I started to laugh in the middle of that just because one of... Uh, The topics that Mendel addresses is the dollar limit in an upcoming Dillinger auction, which is just like the most Johnny Depp way possible to lose money is like buying John Dillinger memorabilia, which is just so stupid. (laughs) Anyway, um, this was Johnny Depp's reply First, thank you for dealing and getting me through. Secondly, I'm doing my very best in holiday spending, but there is only so much I can do as I need to give my kitties and family that's spelled F-A-M-I-L-L-E, as good of a Christmas as possible, obviously within reason, but regarding the plane situation, I don't have all that many options. A commercial flight with paparazzis in tow would be a fucking nightmare of monumental proportions. He then later added, What else can I do? Three question marks. You want me to sell some art? Three more question marks. I will. You want me to sell something else? Three question marks. Sure. What? Three question marks. (laughs) Boat is going to be chartered at New Year's, and Sony will then charter it for the tourist shoot in Venice. Other than that, I got bikes, cars, properties, books, paintings, and some semblance of a soul left. Where would you like me to start? (laughs) Uh, That is how, like, obscenely rich people who don't know how to manage money view money, where it's sort of like, why are they taking all of my comforts from me? This story is uh, hard because there's parts that are, like, sort of funny, like, like losing all your money in a John Dillinger auction which by the way he ended up passing on uh, wisely and then there's just this really sad part of just someone I don't know just like spending themselves into debt and sort of just becoming a shadow of what they once were which is Cry Baby Walker my favorite Johnny Depp movie and maybe one of my favorite movies so Johnny remember who you once were and try to touch base with that again our studio, we have, I'm going to go ahead and say like an internet legend, may I? Go ahead. Uh, we have Matt, who is the genius behind Pop Culture Died in 2009, which is a Tumblr, an Instagram account, a Twitter account, which just sort of like digs back into the glory days of the mid-aughts tabloid culture. Um,
1: Matt, thank you so much for coming. No, thank you for asking me. This is really cool. All
0: right. I'm so glad you're here. Um, so... If I may, you're you're young, right? Like you graduated high school last year.
1: Yeah, I graduated last June. I'm 19 now. I just finished my freshman year of college. Your Instagram
0: account like really speaks to me because that was like when I was a teen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of funny to think of you as like, a, like an even younger person being really into it.
1: Yeah, um, that's a big thing a lot of people like wonder. How do I remember all of this? Even Nicole Ritchie wondered because somebody was interviewing her and they brought up my blog and she said, well, how does he know all these things if he's so young? (laughs) Well, growing up, I was just kind of surrounded by that celebrity culture. And I think everybody was. And that's a very interesting thing about the 2000s. It was kind of everywhere. Right. And whether you were conscious of it or not, I didn't really realize how enveloped I was. By it until I got older. But when I was young, the channels that were always on in my house were VH1, MTV, E. My mom was super into all the tabloids. Um, her favorite was Star Magazine. It's a good one. And my older sister was a teenager during those years. So she, of course, was familiar with like Perez Hilton and all the blogs and that stuff. So everybody, you know, contributed something. And I was just really into all these. I'd say messed up celebrities, yeah. which I I guess is a fair assessment for all of them since it was definitely a time where everybody seemed a little... It was like a time of excess in yeah. a way
0: that like now at least they know that they're being watched by phones all the time. So they yeah. at least pretend, you know, at least until they get behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point because before that, the publicists in these PR teams didn't really know how to deal with the internet. It was still a relatively new thing. And gossip sites only really took off around like 2005. So there was a period where nobody really knew how quickly things get out. And that led to a lot of interesting um, moments, to say the least. It's also like
0: before Perez Hilton, like was confronted by Jennifer Aniston in a parking garage and decided to give up
1: bullying. I always find it interesting how out of all those sites, TMZ is kind of the last one standing. Yeah. But I I, I guess because they kind of monopolized it, Harvey Levin is just so ruthless and I, I'm not, I'm personally not a fan, but... No, I mean, he is like a, a bad man, I think yeah, we can say. An, a terrible person, as well as TMZ as a whole. And it's interesting how he basically just took over. So now all the other sites are fending for scraps.
0: Well, they're also so smart legally, where it's just they know how to fact check. They know how to write those articles so that they can't mm-hmm. get sued, where I yeah. think kind of in the early days of blogging, people weren't thinking about that. It oh, was definitely. Sort of like,
1: Perez especially. So I really want to know how pop culture died in 2009, all got started. I started this blog back in 2013. I started it because I was starting to realize like all these things basically shaped my childhood. And growing up, never had friends. I never hung out with anybody. I never talked to anybody. I was always at home. So basically I had no choice but to be submerged in all this celebrity stuff. So that definitely like shaped my view of the world in this weird way. I mean, seeing things like Michael Jackson dangling his baby blanket over the balcony. (laughs) It really defined how I saw the world. And I mean, I realized it was very extreme, but I just learned everything I learned from celebrities and from E! and all this stuff, which is, it's pitiful, but, you know, how else was it going to happen? I can also think of worse, you know, worse ways to learn. I I know. So um, when I first started my thing, there was no other blogs focused in tabloid culture. There was a lot of blogs dedicated to, like, 2000 style and the aesthetic of it. And, you know, like... TRL error Brittany and Christina Aguilera and stuff like that. But there was nobody that was interested in the tabloid. There no. was nobody interested in all the old paparazzi videos. There was nobody interested in any of that, or at least had a blog for it. So I was the first person to do something like that as far as I knew. So from there, I started posting a lot more in 2014. And throughout that year, it was mostly just photos and stuff until I started writing. I started writing a lot back when the Amanda Bynes situation was ongoing. and This that, is
0: when she had like a very public breakdown.
1: Yeah. Amanda Bynes has had her fair share of negative headlines in recent months, mostly for her erratic behavior on Twitter. She's also under three years probation for driving with a suspended license and a DUI case pending in Beverly Hills. Now Bynes has gotten herself into some trouble with the law again. A lot happened. Yes. <laughs> um. And, I was such a huge fan of hers growing up. I used to always watch the Amanda shows. So yes, I did watch child-related things during my childhood. I didn't just watch, you know, Pam Anderson doing whatever. I mean, I did watch <laughs> child things. I did watch Nickelodeon Disney. So Thank I, God. I had such a loyalty to her. So I started like writing, like chronicling everything that was going on. Since you know, TMZ and a lot of other sites they definitely put a lot of bias into it. They they're very harsh on female, especially celebrity. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, Especially. So, I mean, with Amanda, I wanted to, like, create just one source where people could get, like, unbiased things since TMZ was using a lot of, like, words that were just so— Like, I remember one article in particular after she was released from the psychiatric hospital. They were using the word roaming to describe her walking around. And you know that has a weird connotation. Right. They were trying to—it was like they were trying to almost portray her like— a mental patient like running about. And I I just it didn't sit well with me. So I constantly just gave people the straight up thing. And I ended up breaking a lot of stories before TMZ and all these sites. So wow. producers for entertainment TV shows were reaching out to me. And I was just 15 at the time. <laughs> and they wild. were reaching out to me, like asking how I get all my sources, how I get my knowledge. And My big secret at the time was I would just search, saw Amanda Bynes on Twitter. Yeah. Since if somebody sees Amanda Bynes they are going to tweet, I just saw Amanda Bynes at whatever. So I would go through all those sightings, and I would ask the people any questions. And um, they would always say something nice about how, like, nice she was. And I would always post that. And the blog definitely got to a point where I, I just didn't expect... Any of this to happen. I didn't expect, you know, when I was starting this in 2013 to be, you know, sitting here right now, you know, doing an interview about it or any of that. And the one thing people always tell me is that all of their friends follow me. <laughs> and do I like when people say that? No. It actually is, like, very irritating since that's the first thing people say to me when they figure out I'm the one behind the account. Like, the first person I met um, at my college, since I go to college here in Manhattan um, last fall, they asked me for my Instagram, and I don't have a personal, since I don't have a social life, I don't do anything, so literally, whatever is on pop culture, that's That's what's going on with me. So somebody asked, and I showed it to them, and they were like, oh my God, all my friends follow you. That's so weird, and that's what everybody says. And um, it's gotten to the, it's like, it's very irritating since i mean i'm not a very busy person aside from doing things for the blog i don't hang out with people Mm -hmm. i don't you know go out or do anything i literally just stay home and do this it's pitiful but i enjoy it so that's my excuse i mean that's what matters i've definitely become like defined by this it's it's weird like all the people i've met so far well most of the people i've met so far here in the city since i started school were just through the blog and it's been, like, half and half. Like, some people have been really great and nice and, like, actually want to be friends. And then other people were, like, treating me like I was Gossip Girl. Like, yeah. they were meeting, like, Lonely Boy or something. So they would, like, whip out the phone. They would, like, take a picture. They were like, tell all their friends all this. It, it was just weird.
0: And Well, I was going to ask, actually, like, if— the blog has introduced you to any, like, like like-minded people who... Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: You know, there have been some awesome people I've met who are interested in the same things. So that's cool. Since, like, before this, I didn't have anybody to talk to. The only person who texted me was my mom telling me to do the laundry. So from, like, the other room in the house, she would just text me, you know, check the laundry, check the dryer. So I was like, okay. You're like, oh, what a day. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. I was... I literally had, like... Five contacts, all of my, all were my family. One person from my high school before I started, and now I've now I have a solid like 15 with people I met through the blog. I mean, I'll tell you, like 15 is all you need. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool to know that I'm not the only one into the super like trivial stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to know how much time you spend uncovering this, like, weird ephemera. Because I was going through your Tumblr, and you have, like, the first post that I, that was up was um, a clip from The Surreal Life, which was Vanilla
1: Ice fighting with Ron Jeremy. You swore on your mother's grave. Where's the force? So now you're really piece of Where's the force? Just to let you know. And that's how much I appreciate you, dude, okay? T- just to let you know that. So the- don't ever call me, don't have anything to do with me. So you do it strategic,
0: and then you get in trouble for it.
1: This is what I don't want. And that's the name of the game, ain't it? Well, this is not what I wanted. Rob! Oh, name of the game,
0: dude. See?
1: Enjoy yourself.
0: And it's just like, that stuff is not easy to find necessarily. How much time do you devote to this?
1: With, like, random pictures and videos and stuff like that, I just find it as it comes. Sure. So I'll be searching for something else, and I'll stumble upon that, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was funny, and I'll, I'll <laughs> share that. But if it's something, like, I do... Especially lately, I do a lot of these long written write-ups about certain events, the most recent being Paris Hilton going to jail and the hoopla surrounding that. That took days upon days where I literally just sat and sifted through every single tabloid I owned, every gossip site article, and that took a lot of work. But So you have like the hard copies of tabloids just from— Oh, yeah, I have hundreds. That's amazing. Just sitting on my bedroom floor. It's it's kind of embarrassing since you go in. It's just stack upon stack, but... Right, but I mean, like, everyone has that their thing. Yours just happens to bring
0: joy to other people. I think one thing that people really respond to about, uh, like, your collection, I'll call it, um, your curation, is that it is, like, such a celebration of the lowbrow, which is, like, exactly where I want to be all the time, which is, like... It's, like, Mm -hmm. everything kind of sucks and feels shitty all the time. And so it's kind of, like, nice to go back to a time where it was like, oh, yeah, we were, like, laughing at Paris Hilton crying in her car while Candyman plays.
1: Yeah. um, I definitely look for those outrageous and usually funny moments. Of course, there are just absolutely tragic ones, especially a lot of, you know, ones involving Brittany and Lindsay, but basically... The main thing I'm fascinated with is just how it was covered and how people responded to it. One of my favorite things is when people message me saying that, oh, they remember something I posted about. Like, for example, with the Paris going to jail one since I was the most recent, somebody messaged me that they saw that picture of her crying in the back of the police car on the front page of the L.A. Times right after it happened. And I just love hearing how people sort of remember those things since it's so trivial, Paris Hilton going to jail. It's like our, like, Kennedy assassination. (laughs) But for so many people, it just stuck with them. For a lot of people, there are these just random things that stick with them. I mean, there are plenty of things with me that I remember from my childhood. Like, for example— my sister used to work at a movie theater, and July 2007, we had just finished seeing Hairspray since I loved Amanda Bynes, and then <laughs> oh. um, there, there was also a new Lindsay Lohan movie out, <laughs> and I said to her right afterwards, could we see it? And I knew it was a horror movie. It's called I Know Who Killed Me. This is the second I Know you Who Killed Me reference I've gotten today that makes me very happy yes. since I personally love that movie but um, so as soon as Lindsay came out on that stripper pole in the beginning I knew her career was in rough streets since I wasn't really aware of all of the arrests and the cocaine and all of that since I was nine years old but as soon as I saw her on that pole I knew, you knew I just you're knew just, you, as, so a, as a child you're like oh yeah that's one thing that always stuck with me just seeing that opening scene <laughs> That movie, can we just like, that movie is about her. She's like two people? Yeah, it's very confusing. And from what I gather, the finished product is so much different from the original script. And part of my missions in life is to find the full original script before... Reality took over. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting. I, I would say it's a brave artistic effort. Sure. My favorite part, personally, is like the cinematography. I like the use of the colors, especially blue and red. But
0: I was about to say, I remember that like it was a big deal. Where it was like when the when the color is blue, yeah, the, you know, it's this personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Linz. I didn't see the canyons, and I kind of hope never to because it just really.
1: I saw me it out. and. She was the best part about it. I mean, genuinely, I thought her performance was solid, but that says a lot about a movie. <laughs> yeah, and she also, like, is not a terrible actress. Yes, yeah, I actually think, you know, it's an unpopular opinion, but I think she was a really good actress at her peak. Personally, my favorite performance of hers is Georgia Rule. I, you <laughs> <Nice>. know, even <laughs> though there was that whole controversy surrounding the movie, when you sit and watch it, I mean... What the mar- was it? Like, someone said she was a brat, right? Yeah, basically, she... This was during the summer of 2006. She was partying late every single night. She was showing up to set late or not showing up at all. So basically, the head of production sent out a letter, and it became published by The Smoking Gun, I think, that basically calling her out saying, I know you're not sick. I know, you know, all of your excuses are BS. You're out late every single night, we know, and you need to get your act together. Oh,
0: my God. She's, like, a perfect example of someone, like, ruined by, like, the people around her, too. Definitely.
1: I think her situation is so much about the people around her and also the culture at the time is what destroyed her. Whereas— People genuinely look at her in this lens as she's like the typical story, of the child star. I don't think so because she was making a successful transition into adult roles at the time right. of her downfall. I mean, there was George Rule alongside Jane Fonda and Felicity Huffman. There was Bobby. There was A Prairie Home Companion, which was Robert Altman's last film. And she was on the right track. She could have easily had a career like Jennifer Lawrence has now. Right. But she got too sucked into the tabloid aspect. She got too sucked into the celebrity. And especially since, from very young, she was surrounded by people like Paris Hilton, like Nicole Richie. They definitely contributed to that. And I think her biggest mistake was she thought that she could have her cake and eat it too. She thought she could have the tabloid media attention be on covers of all the magazines and always on the gossip sites while still having a respected career. And that's just not how it works.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think unless you're like, Julia Roberts and have like the best PR team Mm -hmm. you know imaginable who is like just curating everything then Mm -hmm. yeah I think you're definitely right I don't know she's someone who um I mean I hope like her new religious path takes her to a peaceful place or a rich man I
1: I mean whatever it could get her
0: I've always felt like Courtney Stodden was kind of like the she's kind of the end result of like how we ruin these women (laughs) where it's like that I like I've always been kind of fascinated by Courtney Stone because she feels like our culture is like Frankenstein's monster where it's just like yeah, we built her and now we have to like deal with the guilt of having built her
1: I mean I've always liked her and she's always been entertaining at first it just seemed like very I mean despite the extremely odd relationship she just seemed like innocent fun yeah but now it's gotten to the point where I genuinely like feel bad for her yeah, And you could tell everybody in her life failed her. And, you know, so often, like, she does these things where I feel like she's just copy and pasting what she, like, watched growing up. Like yeah. me, except I'm doing it to block. She's doing it to her life. I mean, so many moments. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: the Courtney Stodden of
1: uh, <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> so many times, like something she does reminds me of Anna Nicole Smith. And I remember she set up this YouTube account once. No, wait, it was an Instagram, where she had an alter ego that was a guy. And she would wear a wig and mustache and like do all these weird things. And I felt like I was watching. This is a, definitely an obscure reference, but... Lana Clarkson's audition tapes from the Sp- Phil Spector trial. That is a really <laughs> obscure
0: reference and I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm super into true crime aside from celebrities so when it's a Hollywood true crime that's like all my interests converge. Sure. So, I mean, there are these crazy tapes of Lana Clarkson in blackface impersonating Little Richard before she died. Oh,
0: I'm Mama and welcome to my show. I am the original and I'm so proud to be with y'all here on the Home Shopping Network to present to you my latest contribution to the world of beauty.
1: And that's what Courtney's entire thing felt like to me. It just didn't seem like somebody who's well. Yeah, who's she's not, like, attached
0: to the earth. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I, she's free from Doug's clutches, though,
1: right? I mean, at the moment, it's always back and
0: forth. Yeah, his, like, gnarled mm-hmm. claws. <laughs> I don't know. Did you watch uh, The Mother-Daughter Experiment? Um, that reality show about so-called celebrity mothers and daughters working out
1: their issues? Yeah, I did. I, that again, like her mother just seems awful. Yeah, her mother was, <laughs> I, I just did not, I, I didn't know if she was playing it up for the show or if he's, she's genuinely that awful. I mean, I, I couldn't tell. Doug tells the camera
0: that Courtney was available to the highest bidder. I mean, Courtney was being courted by
1: tons of men.
0: Closer to her age, wealthier than me, more famous, from sports figures to politicians to sheiks in the Middle East.
1: <laughs> what the f- dude? Sheiks? How are sheiks finding a 16-year-old? Um, that's basically how it started.
0: Um, I would like to know who, if you had to like pick
1: one celebrity from that time who just is like the, your crown jewel. Easy answer, Anna Nicole Smith. She was the first celebrity to get me into celebrity culture. And this is another thing I remember from my childhood. And I always tell people this whenever I'm interviewed since, this question always comes up. When I was around four or five years old, I was sitting in my living room. My dad was watching TV and the Anna Nicole show was on. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it. And it was an episode when she went to like the dentist, mm-hmm. and of course, you know Howard was right by her side, and I had no clue who she was. And she was slurring her words. She was acting like a child. She was begging for di- Vicodin. Wow, i scared of wake up. Oh, I better get him to give me some <laughs> shit. I know, I know. You no know cut it. I was just so transfixed by what I was watching, since this is a grown woman and she's acting like a child. And that was the first thing to ever really get me into celebrity. since I became so fascinated by Anna Nicole Smith. I mean, she's transfixing to, you know. Yeah, she, she was definitely a larger-than-life figure. And I didn't, like, keep up with her story over the years since I—when it was happening, when she was still alive, since I was still very young. But especially after she died, just all the things that I would see on TV, I mean, there were pictures of what was in her fridge, you know, all these— methadone and all this stuff and then there was always that clown video on loop all the time on all the networks the clown doesn't need gas medicine she needs baby medicine no it's gas and baby sure. baby you know when you're having gas and you feel it it's like ow that's your baby kicking you so I was still very confused by who she was and why she was so famous. But eventually when I was in middle school, I decided to really look into it and I grew to really love her since she just seemed like a genuine person that didn't mean to harm anybody.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think she always seemed like, even at her worst, it was like she seemed like very kind. Yeah. Um, You know? Yeah. I also like her guest ads are just like... She's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we all know that's the most
0: important thing. Yeah. Having followed you for a while, like kind of here are like, these are the people who show up the most on your account, which mm-hmm. I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I'd say Paris, Lindsay, Mary-Kate Nashley, mm-hmm. uh Misha Barton. Oh, yes. Anyone from the Hills,
1: Amanda Bynes. That's a very fair roundup. Misha's, out of all of them, Misha's the one I love the most. Really? <laughs> because... I was super into the OC since my dad and older sister were, so they would watch it every single time there was a new episode back when it was on, so I would watch with them. And I just loved Misha so much, since she was so beautiful. Yeah. And from there, I just always had this devotion to Misha Barden, and I saw—I've seen all of her movies, even the straight like Netflix ones, everything, every low-budget project. I support her. I think I,
0: I hated her because she was so beautiful, because she was very much, like, the ideal look of that time of just, like, really skinny kind of, like, perfect exactly. straight hair. And I was just, like, <laughs> exactly. just eating my sleeves of Pringles.
1: Not... Yeah. I, she was just so gorgeous. And also, I think compared to her contemporaries, I mean, the Paris Nicole and all of them, she seemed genuinely, like, the nicest, even though she has this very cold, standoffish way about her. I think, I mean, she was never like Lindsay. She never assaulted anybody. Yeah or carjacked anybody or any of that. She was never parish. you know. You never saw her, like, going around using racial or homophobic epithets. You never saw her making fun of Lindsay's vagina, you know. Right. Compared to all of her friends, she was definitely—just seemed like a good person. I feel that way about Britney, too. I feel like, compared to everybody she was surrounded with, she was actually, you know, good. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining, like, Britney hurting a fly. Exactly. So— with Paris, it's more of an ironic attachment. I don't like her. Right. I think she's an awful person. She her, and her life in general is so fascinating. I mean, especially compared to the Kardashians. I mean, the Kardashians never had a moment like Paris did with Paris Exposed, the website with all of the belongings from her storage locker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that alone was just mind-blowing for me. I mean, that's how I learned what Valtrix was. I learned because of Paris Hilton. So for <laughs> so me... So <laughs> many things we learned. Um, and just seeing all, all these snippets of her life and just how crazy it is. And the thing is that what makes her so different from the Kardashians is it's all genuine. Yeah. I mean, she's genuinely a mess. But she has money to fall back on. Right. She has like this real dynasty that... I don't know. Even though like her inheritance was dubious at best since, I mean, definitely... Paris, Nikki, Kathy, and Rick, they all let on that they had more money than they actually did. Sure. I mean, Rick wasn't even allowed to work for the Hilton company at first. I mean, I've read so many books on this family <laughs> since it's just so fascinating to me. Old money, people are so fucked up. I love it. But um, Paris definitely sold this heiress image when she didn't have all that money. Right. But she was able to turn it into an actual business. Yeah, where that's she hot. makes so she, much money, she trademarked it, didn't she? I mean, unfortunately, like personally, I'd rather her be broke like Lindsay since she actually deserves it. But, yeah. um, I mean, she was smart enough to yeah, capitalize the, off of it. Those DJ gigs in Abitha really pay <laughs> off, <laughs> the, all those phone parties, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and with I'd say the same with Nicole. I mean, Nicole's half and half. Like, she's done a lot of questionable things, but I think she's also, you know, turned herself around for the better. She's also always been very charming. Yeah, she was always very funny. She always had, you know, a lot of charisma, whereas Paris was just, you know, trying to sell the dumb blonde thing. So, all since I've always loved. I'm just fascinated by them, and they're a little, like, mini Greta Garbo image now. And they're,
0: like, weird weddings.
1: Yeah, and just how private they are and everything— which is so funny since people forget how public they used to be. Right. Like, especially Mary-Kate. People forget that she was in that same circle as Lindsay and Nicole and all of them. She was falling out of clubs with them, you know. She was involved in all those suits. And people now have this, like, revisionist history where they've always been, like, hermit-like people. when yeah. I mean, it was just very drastic. I'd say the moment where Mary-Kate just kind of went under the radar completely was, I'd say, the Heath Ledger thing. I think after that, she just really closed herself off. So after he passed away? Yeah, and all there was, like, all this media attention around her, like, what does she know and all this? Oh, right, because they were I, kind
0: of dating at the time. What was there the deal? Were,
1: there were rumors that they were hooking up. They were spied at all, all these clubs together and like, um, Greenwich Village and stuff. And when he was found dead... By his masseuse, the masseuse, before calling the police, called Mary Kate Olson. <laughs> um, because she I, I guess she was like when his contacts or yeah. or the masseuse knew something. You know, it's a very mysterious story. People still have a lot of questions about it. And I just wanna say, Matt, your brain is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, love- <laughs> I wish I devote space to something
0: less trivial, but this is all I got. No, I mean I'm in this like I, I'm in a similar position, but you're like
1: ten times. There was all this attention because people kept saying, "Oh my God, Mary Kate Olsen must have been." Dealing drugs to Heath Ledger. She must have killed him or been responsible for for his death. And she wanted immunity and all these things. And eventually, you know, she was on the cover of the Post and always on TMZ, and all these people were ragging on her. And I think that was the point where she really just stepped back and she just stopped saying anything. Since up until that point, she was still doing like movie and TV roles, she was doing weed, she was doing this film, The Whackness. Oh, yeah, the whackness. Yeah. (laughs) She made out out with Sir Ben Kingsley in that movie. (laughs) And she was still, like, at all the clubs and all this thing. And after that, it definitely slowed down. So I kind of marked that as the point where she stepped back. Ashley has always been more private. Yeah. Because Ashley, you know, was never out of control. You never, you know, she never went to rehab. She was never dangling from Rachel Zoe's arm, you know, all that stuff.
0: I mean, so I'm just going to, this is a theory that's coming to me. As we're talking, so it's sloppy. And you can tell me it's sloppy if you want. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe a part of the reason why, like, that group of girls is so intriguing is that it was so uncurated and so messy that you kind of got felt like you got to, like, be in the social group without, like, with kind of being above it. Whereas now you have, like, the Taylor Swift squad and everything, which is just so curated and you only see really specific things they want you to see, which makes them... Mm-hmm. kind of untouchable and not as fun to like get into.
1: There are points I agree and disagree with. That, what I Lay agree, them on me. Okay. What I agree with is that it was definitely less curated. I mean, of course, you know, Paris, Lindsay, brittany they all did things for attention. I mean, right. especially that night they were photographed together in the car. That was just a publicity stunt arranged by Paris and her publicist, Elliot Mintz, because hours before that, Lindsay, you know, ran and, in front of X-17 cameras and started crying, Paris hit me, Paris hit me with a drink for no reason and it really hurts and it's not okay and all this stuff. I think those are the moments I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. It was very wild, but they were very cognizant of what would be on all the gossip sites afterwards. So, of course, they did a lot of things for attention, but they were willing to go the extra mile and put themselves at risk, which I'm not encouraging anybody do. But they were very (laughs) devoted to their cause. It's like our our
0: gladiators. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They were willing to put their lives on the line. Lindsay was willing to carjack somebody and chase um, her ex-assistant's mom through the streets of Santa Monica, and she didn't really care. So, a lot of these girls were going to extra lengths. They were Definitely out of control. I mean, it it definitely was like Girls Gone Wild takes Hollywood, but also I think what made them interesting is they were very glamorous. Yeah, they had they weren't shy about their lifestyles. They, you know, were at Kitson every day. They were always, you know, at all the clubs, Ledoux, High, Teddy's, all that. So. They had no shame that they were living the high life and they genuinely acted like any other Hollywood star since people I think a misconception people have about the two thousands is it was just, you know, this pack of it girls that was out of control. But I mean all the celebrities were involved yeah. in this culture. I mean everybody from Cameron Diaz to Leonardo DiCaprio to I mean Leo's still doing it. So. I mean Leonardo, <laughs> he has a lot of till the day he dies. Yeah, he has a lot of respect. I mostly because he's a guy. So Yeah, totally. But, you know, all these genuine A-listers were also involved and they were, you know, feuding with these It Girls too. I mean, Cameron was partying at Paris's house and Kirsten Dunst, you know, hated Paris because Paris stole her vip seat at club mood so it was like all these (laughs) everybody was involved in the drama no matter like if they were respectable or not yeah it's just some people were willing to you know do a lot for the tabloids and those for those girls but now i think a lot of the celebrities especially taylor swift especially people like jennifer lawrence and um, Emma Stone and all of them, they push off a very relatable image. They wanted to seem like they're just like us, that they're very, you know, down to earth or whatever. And they try and tone down, you know, this glamorous Hollywood image, you know, and it's very artificial since like, let's be real, you're making millions of dollars. You're not just like us, Yeah. but they still try and act like they're our friend. And what's the appeal of that? I mean, and that's an
0: That's not what celebrities should be. Yeah,
1: and that's kind of the reason I started my blog to begin with. Why I called it Pop Culture Die in 2009 was because before 2009, before sites like Facebook and Twitter and everything really took off and social media became what it is now, our access to celebrities was just through the magazines and TV and gossip sites. It was just through pictures, you know. You know, some had MySpace pages, but they weren't posting on it every single day like right. celebrities do now with Instagram. So we had a very filtered look. And that's why, you know, there was this obsession with gossip sites and magazines and paparazzi. And that's why all that exploded during this time. Since now there were more and more people that wanted to see that. There were more mm-hmm. people that want to see, you know, stars in their natural habitat in the wild, you know, screwing up. And now... They just give it all to us. I mean, the celebrities just hand it to us themselves. We don't need to see, you know, the X-17 candidates of Ashley Simpson leaving a hair salon to know she changed her hair. And she'll post like 20 pictures the next day anyways. Right.
0: So do you think the bling ring, which for people who don't know, is the group of Calabasas teenagers who robbed a bunch of celebrities um, in the mid-aughts. Do you feel like they had an effect on these celebrities
1: becoming more private? I wouldn't say so. I think the bling ring just came at a time when those celebrities were on their way out. Yeah. So, and this new crop of more relatable celebrities started shoving their way in. I mean, the bling ring came when Paris was over and the Kardashians were getting their foothold. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that really changed anything since Paris, for years afterwards, still lived this very extravagant life, even if nobody cared anymore. Yeah. And Lindsay, especially, you know, Even though she really couldn't afford it, she just stole most of the things she had after, like, 2007. Just borrowed from sets. (laughs) Borrowed from sets, designers, jewelry stores, all that, you know. Um, The Bling Ring didn't really change that. It's just those celebrities that were comfortable with being extravagant became irrelevant.
0: I guess Kim got robbed in Paris kind of because of, like, her Snapchat presence and that type of thing, too. Yeah. Saying that Nicole Richie knows you exist.
1: Have any of these other people reached out to you or like recognized your presence? Very good question. So <laughs> let's go through the list. Nicole knows I exist because of this Harper's Bazaar interview. Maybe she forgot I exist. Hopefully she doesn't, you know? Yeah. Nicole, if you're listening. I'm sure she is. <laughs> let's hang out. I mean, I- I'm sure she does since a lot of her friends follow my account. Mm. Like when I posted that Memorial Day invitation yeah. <laughs> from her, Masha Gordon liked it. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they all know. And, like, a lot of her friends on Candidly Nicole follow me. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they'll, like, show her all the things I post about her. Or Paris. Maybe they laugh at Paris. You know, who knows? But um, other celebrities, Jenna Jameson follows me. Ooh. A wild card. <laughs> um, it's not, you know, 2004 Jenna Jameson. It's present-day, you know, Jewish neo-Nazi Jenna Jameson. Oh, how nice. Glad that she's evolved into that person. She's definitely changed from the How to Make Love Like a Porn Star days. So um, also, let me think. Spencer Pratt is the one everybody knows. Yeah, Spencer Pratt's kind of all over the... Yeah. He likes the uh, attention where he get it. Yeah, he's really nice. And, you know, that's one thing people are very shocked by. When I first interviewed him for my blog a year ago... He wasn't really, you know, all over the place at that point. I just reached out to him, and people kind of— a lot of people told me that their entire perspectives changed because of the interview, because I published, like, the full unfiltered thing, and I basically let him say all of his thoughts, and people thought, you know, he sounded like a decent person, and he, and he is. People forget The Hills is— Very fake. It <laughs> was extremely fake, and it was just told from, like, Lauren's perspective, pretty much. And Lauren Conrad is— A stuck-up bitch. But I'll only say nice things or mildly offensive. But okay, you let uh, me call her a stuck up bitch. Yes, I'll let you. You're the Brandon Davis to my Paris. You know, you'll say the things. I'll just laugh and pretend to be on the phone. I mean, I think that's what all of our listeners were assuming. Anyway, Uh I keep getting distracted thinking about
0: Spencer Pratt's like crystal video, like when he's talking about the crystals, and I was just like. That is just, that will, even though he's wretched in it, it like that will endear him to me until <laughs> I die. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Build the biggest walls you possibly can, and just cordon yourself off from reality forever? I'm trying, that's why I'm trying to keep it in my crystals. I don't think the crystals are working, man, because you're hyperventilating over here, your red face. I know they're not working, that's why there's
1: hundreds on me right now. Maybe take them all off and look in the mirror. There are plenty of celebrities that blocked me. Um, Joe Madden. <laughs> because I tagged him in a picture with Hillary Duff.
0: Guess oh my he didn't want
1: to remember the statutory rape. Um, Jesus, Vanessa Manillo, that's my arch rival. You know we're feuding.
0: Good, she's a, good.
1: It all started because I posted the pictures of her and Lindsay with the knives and. I tagged her in them, and she blocked me right away. And I was like, "Okay, whatever. I'm used to celebrities blocking me over stuff. Naomi Campbell does it, Allie Lohan does it, but nobody cares about Allie Lohan, so it doesn't matter." Right. All these celebrities do it. Oh, Tara Reid did it too, which is so rude since I am literally Tara Reid's last fan. Right. Tara Reid should be. Very she should grateful. be grateful. <laughs> she, I remind people she exists, right. and she blocks me. Wow. Um, but. Vanessa blocked me after that, and I thought that was the end of it. But then I tweeted something. I tweeted a joke since, I think it was The Bachelor, there was, like, a Nick and Vanessa or something. And I saw it trending, and I was like, wait, why are Nick and Vanessa trending? Since when did people care about Nicholas Shane Vanessa, and Vanessa This That's in 2006. I mean, in my dreams it is, but yeah, right, right now it isn't. So if I, I tweeted that <laughs> once I discovered it was about, like, The Bachelor or something. And she saw the tweet even though she blocked me. So she went out of her way to look at my account and she quoted it with like something, like dissing me. and Which like nothing shows you're more relevant than searching your own name on
0: Twitter and responding and to people.
1: And it's like weird since, I don't know how she saw it cause she had me blocked. So I don't know if she's like sitting and looking at my account. Just incognito. <laughs> yes, <laughs> incognito did she, like m- did Vanessa Manila like make a side account just to stalk, I don't know. But all I know is from that point on, we've been feuding. She hates me. I'm willing to, you know, talk things out at any time if she gives me the scoop on Lindsay. Vanessa, if you want to come on and respond, you're always welcome.
0: Yeah. Is there any stories now that you feel like kind of comes even close to, like, the gossip fever pitch of, like, the aughts?
1: I I don't think so. I mean, occasionally—I mean, especially with a lot of large tabloid stories the past couple of years, they've been too bleak to enjoy. I mean— you know, something like Brad and Angelina's divorce should be like heaven. Yeah. But then it quickly turned into a dark situation. So, I mean. Right. As well, soon as, like, someone gets hit, it's just like, I'm out. <laughs> like <laughs> Same thing with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. I've been a fan of hers ever since I saw this movie, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, years back. So, the minute she got with Johnny, I was so pissed since I've yeah. always hated him. I didn't know why, but now I feel completely justified. When that divorce happened, I was just. So excited once the filing was made public. I was like, she's going to clean them out. It's going to be glorious. Then the rest came out. And (laughs) I made it my mission to defend her since I was the only one defending her. So every single day I would post the updates. But a lot of the stories involving a lot of these A-list celebrities are too dark to actually enjoy now. Yeah. And especially it all feels so trivial when you have, you know, this washed-up reality TV star leading the country. So... (laughs)
0: That does kind of change the way, like, reality TV in general feels, where it's just like,
1: like, what did we do? Yeah, I think people really— the line between entertainer and public figure has been blurred completely, where people sort of look to just celebrities now for knowledge and for opinions and all these things. I mean, people look to Kim Kardashian, you know, for her stance on feminism. And, I mean, even though Kim Kardashian—I loathe her— Because she basically is the polar opposite of that. I mean, she capitalizes off of women's insecurities and all these things. And she's best friends with Joe Francis. That says everything. It does truly uh, say everything. um, And, of course, the Kardashian family's relationship with the black community is another. It's despicable, but... Capitalizing off of, like, another... uh, Exactly. Discriminated group. Exactly. Just throwing every single black person they take into their lives under the bus... And profiting off of it yeah it's just ridiculous and um i think when people you know look to kim for a stance of feminism and actually like give respect to that kind of legitimately view what she's saying with merit that's when you know we've reached a low since 10 years ago her counterpart was paris hilton did anybody even for a second look to paris hilton for anything no of intelligence no Yeah. People just made fun of her all day. And while I'm not advocating, oh, let's mock celebrities all day, let's at least be aware that they're celebrities. Right. They exist to entertain us. There shouldn't be anything more. I mean, if they use their voice for good, that's fine. But you shouldn't depend on them. You should depend on actual trained professionals in whatever respective field. You should not be looking to Kim Kardashian for any sort of knowledge. Thank you so
0: much for listening to DirtCast. This is our 20th episode, which is really exciting. And thank you so much to Matt from Pop Culture Died in 2009. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Treese. Madana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at DirtCast at Jezebel.com please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.